Well, as Ben said, we're uh, just about done with our study through the book of Ecclesiastes. I'd encourage you, if you don't have your Bibles there open there now, go ahead and uh, go ahead and make your way to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to be all the way through chapter 11 and through the first uh, the first eight verses of chapter 12 uh, this morning. This is going to be a little bit different than, you know, typically we'll take bigger blocks of Scripture, but we're going to kind of walk through this literally verse by verse uh, as we go. So the verses will be up on the screen, but I encourage you to have it open in front of you. That way you can scratch notes in your Bible or whatever you need to uh, to help you remember uh, as we go along. And as Ben said, if you don't have a Bible, didn't bring one with you, uh, we have these uh, I think there's a few pews that don't have them right in front of you, but you can look around and you can find one of these. And if you do go ahead and grab that, take that home with you and consider it a gift from Parkview Baptist Church uh, to you. Well, I don't know if you uh, if you are aware of this or or not. Uh, maybe maybe a couple of you might have even known people that went. But back in May of this year, there were 15,000 people in Raleigh, North Carolina, that gathered at the PNC Center. For a concert, uh, it was a Paul McCartney concert. Paul McCartney of the Beatles, and of course of Wings, and and his own uh, his own solo tour. But uh, it's a it's a world tour that he's been going on for the last couple of years, called the Freshen Up Tour. <clears throat> One thing that was unique about this tour that uh, that he hasn't done too much of in the past was he spent most of his music set singing old Beatles songs. And, you know, that, that just really struck a chord with me. If you look through the set list of the songs that, that Paul McCartney sang at that concert in Raleigh, it was like the greatest hits of the Beatles. He, he, he sang Hard Day's Night, uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Now, if anybody wants to sing along, you can just go ahead and, you can go ahead and start. Can't Buy Me Love, Got to Get You Into My Life, Love, Love Me Do, Eleanor Rigby, Obla Dee, Obla Da. Come on, you know, you know you want to sing it. <laughs> there's some that are going, yeah, there's some that are going, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Let it be, Hey Jude, and I, one of my favorites, Yesterday. But he sang all of those, and, and there was this whole list of even many more uh, Beatles, well-known Beatles songs that he sang, but there was one that he left off the list. If you paid attention, this one song was missing off of his set list. When I'm 64, didn't make the list. And it's understandable why that didn't make the list, right? Because it would have been really weird for a 77-year-old man to get up and sing when I'm 64, right? If it would have been really weird for him to get up and sing when I get older, losing my hair many years from now. Will you still be sending me a Valentine, birthday greetings, bottle of wine? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 64. That would have been really weird for him to get up and sing that because he wrote that song. Well, he passed that, that 64th birthday 23 years ago. And he passed that, the thoughts of that song three wives ago. So, you know, it, it would have been <laughs> really difficult and odd for him to sing that. Maybe he doesn't sing it because his co-writer in that song, John Lennon, died and didn't make it past his 40th birthday. 
Either way, whatever the reason was, he didn't sing it. He didn't sing it because life doesn't look the same at 77 as it did when he originally started writing that song at 16. Or when they, uh, when they, when they cut that record when he was 24. Life doesn't look the same, does it? Life looks different when you're young than it does when you're old. When, when Paul McCartney and John Lennon wrote that song, they were young men looking at what they thought it was going to be like to be 64, way, way, way out there in the future. Well, in our passage this morning, Solomon is doing the opposite. Solomon is an old man, and he's looking back on his life, and he's reflecting on what it was like to be young. As a matter of fact, as he looks at life, he's looking from the perspective of not just an older person. He's looking through the the lens of being a, a jaded, bitter old man. That's one thing that we've seen as we've gone through the book of Ecclesiastes, is we've seen how he has been jaded by chasing after the wind, by chasing... Uh, after vanity. And now here he is, an old man, bitter and jaded, looking back on youth. Well, he starts in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 11 by talking about the problems of youth. The first problem of youth that Solomon lists is unfulfilled pipe dreams. Look at verse 1. Verse 1, he says, Cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. Boy, that sounds poetic, and that sounds like that's one of those things that you could put on a nice little plaque and hang it in your, hang it in your kitchen, isn't it? But do you see what he's really saying there? I, I mean, <laughs> think about it. What happens if you cast bread on water? If you throw bread out on the, out on the pond over here, what's going to happen to it? The ducks are going to get it, right? And if the ducks don't get it, then fish are going to get it. And if ducks or fish don't get it, it's going to dissolve and turn into some really kind of gross goo and sink. It's going to go off into nothingness. What Solomon is poetically describing here is unfulfilled dreams of youth, that you cast your dreams out there hoping that something's going to come back, but really, it can be disappointment. How many times does a, does a young man or a young woman have these big giant dreams and cast their big giant dreams out into the water of life only to have it dissolve into nothingness or get eaten away? Keep, keep, keep looking, keep straining your eyes after the dream. Your breakthrough is just around the corner. And then the breakthrough never comes. Meanwhile, your life under the sun is drifting aimlessly into vanity. That was his perspective under the sun, wasn't it? So one of the problems of youth is unfulfilled pipe dreams. Another one is imaginative worry. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, he says, Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. Worrying about imagined disasters, worrying about unforeseen disasters, worrying about disasters that are that are predicted. You know, by and large, it's young people that worry about things like global warming, isn't it? Yeah, young people are the ones who typically get worked up about overpopulation. They, they're the ones who lead the charge to eat things like plant burgers. Why in the world anybody would want to do that? I don't know. Or drink out of paper straws, right? It's by and large young people that do that. 
And if you think about it, you, when, when you're younger, you tend to worry about those kinds of things, those kinds of global things, those kinds of predicted disasters. But as you get older, your disasters become more real and more local, don't they? <laughs> your disasters, your, your worry time gets eaten up by things like work and bills and mortgages and car payments and having a bunch of kids to try to figure out what to do with and drag to ball practice and drag to dance recitals and birthday parties and all of those things and the tires are bald and the roof leaks and all of those things. Those consume the worries as you get older, but before your worries are consumed by those things, you have room to worry about unforeseen or even imagined disasters. See, before all those things come along in life, you can divvy up your seven or eight portions of worry to whatever disaster is trending on Twitter right now. You can spend your time worrying about what's happening to Chick-fil-A or who they donate money to (laughs) or what PewDiePie's latest YouTube rant is. Worrying about imagined disasters, it's a particular problem of youth. Another particular problem of youth is impatience. That's what Solomon says in the first part of verse 3. He says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. In the late 80s, uh, a group called Queen put it like this. They said, it ain't much I'm asking if you want the truth. Here's to the future for the dreams of youth. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. I want it now. Now, the ironic thing is, is they recorded that song as Freddie Mercury, Mercury, the lead singer, was dying of AIDS from wasting a life trying to have it all, have it all, have it all, and have it now. Solomon reminded impatient young people that it's, it's not going to rain until the clouds get full. In other words, it takes time for stuff to happen. You have to, you have to see things Develop before things can happen. A plague of youth is that there's this desire to start at the top without paying your dues along the way. You want to see the completed thing without seeing all the work that goes into it. Another problem of youth is uncertainty. Solomon talks about that in the second part. Verse 3, he says, And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Last week, some of you might have a a better update on this than I do, but last week a young lady named Abby Shoemaker, uh, a member of the Graham High School swim team, she was seriously injured and transported to Charleston Area Medical Center. The reason that she was transported there is because She was on the swim team, and she was doing some exercises, from what I understand, against a big pane of glass. And as she put pressure on that pane of glass, it broke, and a big shard of that glass went through her back. Um, From the last that I heard, and that was several days, that was a few days ago, last I heard, she's still at CAMC Stable, but she's still there. Back in January, little Tony Webster, little Tony Webster is a football player from Bluefield High School. He was working out. This was in January, so it was after the season. But he was working out, and as he was working out, he collapsed at the school. 
And within a few days, he died. See, life is uncertain. Life is uncertain. When you're young, you think that that tree is going to stand forever. But it falls. And it falls wherever it wills, whenever it will. You don't think about the glass breaking, but it does. You don't think about hearts stopping, but they do. Life is uncertain, especially when you're young. Another problem of youth is inaction. Solomon talks about that in verse 4. In verse 4, he says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. The picture that Solomon is, is painting here is a, is a farmer that continues to hold his seed in the bag because it, he got a, a, he watched the weather channel and the weather channel said it's going to be windy. So he, he waited. He said, well, no, it might be windy today, so I'm not going to sow my seed. That, that might, that might waste it. Wind is in the forecast. And then that same farmer, when the crop eventually comes in, he, he lets it rot in the field because and once again, he watched the weather channel and he says, it's going to rain, it'll be too muddy to go out and collect, collect my harvest. So he sits and waits on something that's in the future. He's inactive. He's paralyzed. We, we used to call it paralysis by analysis. He, he's so worried about what might happen in the future that he doesn't do what he's supposed to be doing right now. How many, how many people, and this was, man, I used to hate parent-teacher conferences. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I used to hate them. Because the teacher would always say the same thing to my parents. Well, you know, he's got potential if he just do something. How many people have you known that have rotted in the field of potential? Smart, gifted, talented, and they end up wasting it all because they wouldn't take the risk of leaving home or starting something or, or, or couldn't face the risk of potential failure or potential rejection. And thinking about all of that just paralyzes them into complete and total inaction. Well, as an old man, Solomon is looking back on these five problems of youth, this, these problems of unfulfilled dreams and worry and impatience and uncertainty and inaction. <clears throat> but as he reflects before you shout out and call him, you know, okay boomer or something like that, before he, before he continues on, he realizes that there are some blessings of youth. Youth isn't all bad. So in verses 5 through 7, even through that lens of, of cynicism, he gives us some blessings of being young. In verse 5, he starts with the blessing of innocent faith. Verse 5 says, As you do not know the way that the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. You know, with today's education system and the way that things the way that kids are exposed to all kinds of things through the media, that unjaded age seems to come younger and younger, doesn't it? But there is still an age of childlike faith. There is still an age of, of innocent faith where children will accept things. And there's an age where Children don't know all the facts of life, but they know that God put a baby in mommy's tummy. There's, there's an age when they haven't been hardened by materialistic theories of nature and origins, and they, 
they can accept and understand the fact by childlike faith that God hung the stars and the moon in the sky. That's why that phrase, having the faith of a child, that's why that still makes sense, right? The blessing of innocent, unjaded, wide-eyed, childlike faith. Solomon also talks about the blessing of rewarding work. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, he says, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. <laughs> when you're young, you can get a lot done, can't you? You know, I'll do, uh, I'll save up a lot of uh, household tasks and things like that, the honeydew list. A lot of that gets saved until my vacation time. And what I realize is, you know, I used to be able to get a lot done in a couple of weeks. But it seems to be getting less and less every year. My dad told me one time, he said, you know, he was, you know, doing one of these Drake pride puff up things and he looked at me and he said, boy, he said, I can do every bit as much work as you can. The only problem is it takes me a lot longer to recover from it. Right? See, one of the blessings of youth is you haven't started to slow down. You haven't started to physically slow down. You can go and go and go and go and then get up and go and go and go and go some more. You can sow seed in the morning and when the evening comes, you can keep going. You don't have to withhold your hand. You can keep going more and more and more. Everything that you do might not prosper, but hey, you can just keep working at it. You can keep working and working and get a lot of work done along the way. The blessing of innocent faith, the blessing of rewarding work. And verse 7 talks about the blessing of sharp senses. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. You know, before, um, I think many of you in here, if not most of you in here, remember Rainy Kidd. Um, before Rainy Kidd died, she told me how her husband had lost his sight through being mistreated as a prisoner of war in Japanese prisoner of war camps in World War II. And as she would tell that story with tears in her eyes, she said that she never really appreciated what he went through until she started to lose her sight. And as she, as the light became increasingly dim to her, it made her realize what he went through all those years. See, one of the blessings of youth is that your senses are the sharpest that they will ever be. Now, you may want to turn your music up way too loud, but that's your choice. It's not because you have to to hear it. Now, of course, there are some exceptions. But by and large, when you're young, you can see all the colors of all the leaves on the trees, and you can recognize that there are leaves on the trees instead of just seeing a big colorful blob out there. It's sweet to see the light, isn't it? It was sweet if you were up early enough this morning to see the snowflakes. It's sweet to see those things. It's sweet to hear birds. It's sweet to hear that blue jay at my house until he keeps banging his head up against the window. It's sweet to hear cicadas, to hear crickets. It's sweet to hear leaves rustling, isn't it? Yes, in his cynicism as Solomon, he, he wags his bony old finger at the, all the problems with the kids these days. 
But he can't help but remember as he's doing that, he can't help but remember some of the tremendous blessings of what it was like to be young. And then in verses 8 through 10, he makes this transition. He sums up the first part and then, and then he transitions into talking about what it's like to be older. So look in verse 8. He says, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Boy, that sounds like a Disney princess, doesn't it? Follow your heart. Which tells you that it's bad advice. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Now don't forget, I mean hopefully you've heard enough through this series in Ecclesiastes that you will not forget that everything that he's giving here, he's giving from the perspective of being under the sun. Right? It's all the things that he can observe in his own strength, in his own power, in his own wisdom, apart from the revealed wisdom of Christ. It's the vanity that he sees under the sun. And apart from Christ, this is the best that you can come up with. Stay young as long as you can. Party it up now because it really stinks to get old. Isn't that what our society tells us every day? Just look at the marketing. Look at all the things that are marketed to us. Oil of Olay. What kind of oil is that? Hair dye, Botox, Viagra, Rogaine. A hot new sports car. Nutrisystems. Nutrisystems for men. All of that stuff is designed to feed into our notions of we want to hold on to this idea of youth. That's why we have 50 and 60 year old men and women who still shop at Hollister and American Eagle. And listen, if that's you, you ain't fooling nobody. But when you're, when you're, when you're looking through the lens of, of Solomon's worldview, when you're looking at things, at life under the sun, apart from Christ, that's the best that you can do. The best that you can do is through the lens of his worldview is understanding that getting old is terrible. So at least try to hold on to the partying lifestyle of youth. Getting old is terrible. That's what he talks about in verses, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. First parting, first problem with getting old. And I'm glad that Miranda is back in the nursery because she might amen this. First problem with getting old is it makes you grumpy. Look at verse 1. Verse 1, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. A modern translation might say, of which you will say, get off my yard. It's good advice to remember your Creator, but it's not good advice to say just remember your Creator in the days of your youth. 
See, what he's saying is what so many people that I talk to in our community, when you talk to them about the need for church, they'll say, yes, going to church is good for the young people. That's what Solomon's saying. He's saying that it's good for those young people to think about God. Do it before you become a crotchety old crankpot. That's why it's so hard. It's so hard for an older person to come to faith in Christ. Have you noticed that? It's so hard for an older person to come to faith in Christ because the tendency is for their life to become hard and calloused and for their conscience to become seared. Now we thank God that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen? But the reality is it's hard. The Bible says that the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart, and when the heart has become cold and calloused from years of chasing after the wind, the overflow is going to be a cranky, grumpy old person. Y'all thought I was just going to poke sticks at young people today, didn't you? Solomon doesn't do that, does he? Another problem with getting old is the physical ailments that come along with it. Look at verses 2 through 4. Before the sun, <coughs> excuse me, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. We'll just put a pen in it for right there. Now, these are very picturesque words, aren't they? And once again, we, we seem to see that when things get a little bit too close to home for Solomon, he gets abstract in his talking, doesn't he? And he gets a little bit poetic and a little bit abstract here. In verse 2, he's describing the fact that, that you can no longer appreciate the beauty of the sun and the light and the moon and the sun because sadness, it's not because his eyes have dimmed, he talks about that later, but it's because sadness and depression have set in. It can be sad and lonely to get old. And this sadness and depression has set in. Verse 3, he says, the keepers of the house start to tremble. Have you noticed your hands shaking just a little bit more as you get older? The strong men, those strong legs, that powerful back that you had as a young person. They're bent. My papa, and he, a few years, well, maybe a year or so before he died, now I've told you before, he was a coal miner and he was a hard worker all his life. But just a few months, few a year or so before he died, he confessed that he didn't like to stand in front of the mirror because standing in front of the mirror looked like a potato with two toothpicks stuck in it. <laughs> so he had a pot belly and two little skinny old legs. Right. Strong legs, that powerful back, get bent. You start to have a little stoop in your back. It's not quite as straight as it used to be. The grinders, the grinders cease because they fell out. 
Fix-It-Int becomes a regular thing on your shopping list. You have to cut your corn off the cob, right? Because <laughs> your dentures might get stuck in the corn if you eat it on the cob. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. I, I got to tell you, one of the, one of my regular prayers to the Lord is, Lord, if you whatever you take of mine physically, please don't take my sight. That has to be a horrifying thing to lose your ability to see. And I know that some of you are struggling with that right now. And then he gets kind of personal. He kind of. <laughs> He moves on into the bathroom when he starts talking about shut doors. I guess that's why companies don't market Metamucil and prune juice to young people, right? And the hearing goes away. But even though you can't hear anything, I don't know why it is that the slightest noise or bump in the night will keep you up at night. Remember how you could sing when you were younger? Even if it was only in the shower? That, that old voice box, it becomes pretty weak and gravelly, doesn't it? Or even if it doesn't become weak and gravelly, there might not be enough wind to keep the pipes going. There's an old folk song that put this whole thing like this. said, the old gray mare just ain't what she used to be. Physical ailments are a problem with getting old. Another problem, and we touched on this earlier, another problem is fear and loneliness. Look at verse 5. Are you depressed yet? They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, and the grasshopper drags itself along. And there were some, I'm sure this morning, that as they looked out and saw frost on the ground or saw snow on the ground, they said, well, you know, I probably ought not to get out because I might slip and fall. There's that fear. Or, you know, I can't get out after dark because I, I, I'm scared to drive at night. Or I'm afraid to open my door because somebody might want to rob me. Now, there are some real fears that come with aging, aren't there? There are some real fears, but I think the greatest fear of getting old is loneliness. As the hair gets grayer, as the body starts to drag, that graphic picture of a of a lame grasshopper that he uses there. As the hair gets grayer, as the body starts to drag, people can start to look at you like you're a charity case or like you're in the way. You, you can start to feel out of place or you can start to feel like a burden, even in your own family. And when desire falls, when desire falls, you start to lose the most intimate parts of your marital relationship. So you can be lonely even in your own bedroom. And when you keep having to join the mourners and going out to the funerals of friends and family and loved ones as you keep pulling, opening, up, opening up the obituaries and you keep seeing friends and family in there, you can't help but feel lonely. Fear is real when you get old. But one of the biggest problems under the sun for an older person is that death is imminent. Look at verses 6-8. through eight. Before the silver cord is snapped, 
or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. You know, we all know that we're going to die sometime way out there. But as you get older, as those arteries start to clog, as the doctor begins to fuss at you more and more, as the medications start piling up, as the breath gets short, as the memory starts to fade, as all those things begin to happen, that way out there isn't so way out there anymore. Listen to these words that Solomon uses. Snapped. Broken. Shattered. Those are all instant words, aren't they? They're all tragic words. They're all impactful words. And under the sun, he says, all of it is vanity. As a matter of fact, that's not even strong enough for him. He says everything is the ultimate vanity. It is vanity of vanities. Same old song, just a drop of water in an endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Did you notice something? That's where the passage ends, isn't it? He talked about the problems of youth, but then he followed that with the blessings of youth. And then he goes through this extended section of talking about the difficulties of age. And it ends. He doesn't doesn't list any of the blessings of old age. He was so cynical, he had become so jaded that he didn't even recognize, he didn't even acknowledge the blessings that come with old age. He didn't recognize the blessings of experience, the blessings of wisdom that come with old age. He didn't recognize the preciousness of of having a long and happy marriage. Being married to the same spouse for decades and decades and decades. What a blessing. And he didn't even begin to recognize that. He didn't recognize the beauty of being a a patriarch or a matriarch over a family and seeing generations expand and grow. He, He could have seen those blessings of age, couldn't he? He could have seen those things as a rich blessing from God, but he didn't. He didn't because his heart was filled with regret. As a bitter old man, he was grumpy, he was sickly, he was fearful, he was lonely, and all he had to look forward to was the grave. Listen to me. If you live your life without Jesus, then that's the best that you can expect. That's all you've got to look forward to. It's living your life, getting to the end of your life and looking back on the whole thing with regrets. Now you can try to cover it up by trying to hold on to your youth as long as possible, but if death doesn't get you before then, old age is coming. And it's coming quicker than you can imagine. But if death... If and when death comes to find you, Don't let it find you having lived a life that is full of regrets. 
Let death find you doing the work that God has called you to do. Let death find you doing what He's called you to do, being in His Word. Let death find you being gathered with His people. Let death find you on mission for Him. Now, if you're a young person here this morning, you don't have to live a life full of unfulfilled dreams. You don't have to live your life in worry and impatience and uncertainty and inaction. No, if you live your life for Jesus, you can devote your life to chasing hard after Him. And when you chase after Him, that is the best purpose that you can have in life. If you're an older person here this morning, you don't have to be grumpy about it. You can have joy in Jesus. Now, listen, you're going to have to suffer physical ailments. That's just part of living under the sun. But you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be lonely when you're part of a church family. No matter even if your friends, family members continue to die. You don't have to be lonely when you're part of a church family like ours. And instead of looking at death with fear and anxiety and regrets, you can welcome death as the time when you finally get to take off this flesh and you finally get to be face to face with Jesus with no more tears and no more pain. That probably needed an amen somewhere. Now, whether you're young or whether you're old, God has given you purpose in Jesus. Are you fulfilling the purpose that He's given you? Are you fulfilling the purpose that He's giving you or are you living your life in vanity? Are you living your life chasing hard after Jesus or are you living your life chasing hard after the wind? That's your choice. And the, cho- the time to make it is now, no matter whatever station you are in life. Make the decision to chase hard after Jesus instead of chasing vainly after the wind.